Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash acast. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. Now for you lucky people, this week's episode has just come a week after last. For me and James, this episode has been a month in the making. It has a month and 45 minutes. As I'm sure you're aware. It, we meet up once a month, we record all four episodes for the month coming, and then we don't see each other for a month. Yeah. I actually drove up to the West Midlands where James lives and it took me about three hours to get here. So probably about uh, the same as train. It is it's actually not, annoyingly it's about the same, but not as cheap. And you get to listen to like tunes and just be in your little bubble. Exactly. And you don't have to switch and get underground. You win. Yeah. Although I did have quite a bit of traffic to contend with. Anyway, yeah. um, so sorry everyone. I haven't seen James in a month. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad. I'm a little bit stressed now. Yeah, we've had a we've had a few issues with yeah, our recording software. I, I'm I'm not going to talk shit about specific recording software but some recording software just should get in the bin <laughs> um, but we are we are ready to go we're we're recording we're all good and you know that because you're listening to this episode so let's get into it because i know you've waited for quite a while now so of course this week is my episode and i am bringing to you what should be a kind of a good person but i'm going to argue somewhat bad as well her name is Boudicca. I'm sure you've all heard of her. Boudicca, Queen of the Iceni. Maybe the American listeners, listeners haven't. Well, if you have not heard of her, you're about to. And you're going to find out why she's very famous, particularly in the UK. She was a badass. And why, because she's a badass, that's probably not necessarily a good thing. So let's just get into it. First of all, we have to mention that the native tribes of Britain did not write anything down. So the only sources we have for Boudicca and the time as a whole comes from Roman writers and historians Cassius Dio and Tacitus. However, they wrote about the events decades after they happened. And as we know, history is written by the victor. So things are probably spiced up a bit sometimes. But we also we get our info from ruins and archaeology. So some of the things we have, we can back up, okay? Yep. So even her name is somewhat disputed, okay? So Boudicca comes from an ancient British word, Bood, which means victory. So it seems a bit on the nose considering her story. 
but we'll go with it anyway. So, Boudicca comes from the ancient British words. Oh, wait, I've already said that. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> so, where was she born? That's where we want to go. Again, nobody actually knows this. Um, we don't know when she was born, but it's definitely sometime in the early 1st century BCE. What we do know is that she was a queen of the Iceni tribe, which occupied the lands now known as Norfolk, Suffolk, and Cambridgeshire. Nice. Yeah. Now, Roman historian Cassius Dio describes her as this, in case you want to know what she looks like. <laughs> in stature, she was very tall. In appearance, most terrifying. In the glance of her eye, most fierce, and her voice was harsh. A great mass of the tawniest hair fell to her hips. Around her neck was a large golden necklace, and she wore a tunic of diverse colours, over which a thick mantle was fastened with a brooch. He also said that she possessed of greater intelligence than often belongs to women. <laughs> uh, this might give us a bit more of a clue about her, as the Romans didn't see women as equals. She sounded like a bit of a beast. Yeah, apparently so. She was quite... Quite a large lady, it seems. Quite tall, which is cool. I mean, I'm quite tall myself, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> so, like I say, Romans did not see women as equal nor as intelligent as they were. So, for a Roman to see her as such means she probably was quite a cunning and smart person. And in the culture of native Britons, Druids were the smartest and wisest of the lot. And as women were relatively equal in this society, it's possible she herself was a druid. So, seen as quite a smart, intelligent, listen-to-her kind of woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the Iceni were not quite the savages that Roman history tells us either. They were master craftsmen with metals, able to make elaborate neck rings called torques. You may have seen them in museums. Like, big, chunky, like, neck rings with a big, like, bulbous bit. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they made those really intricate designs of some of them, particularly like for the royalty and that. Uh, they used to name, um, they had, uh, what was it? They had coins that they would stamp their names of their tribe on, which mm -hmm. they were the first tribe to do so in Britain, which is really cool. Currency. So, yep, yeah, so they had the currency and everything like that, and they used to try it around. And while we're at it, let's bust a few more myths. Uh, it's kind of thought that the native tribes of Britain were this isolated world that only known to each other, and it wasn't until the Romans looked across the English Channel, spotted another island there, that they needed to explore this undiscovered land. The land the Romans called Britannia was not an isolated island, untouched by the outside world. You see, there was trade happening between the Britons and the Gauls of what's now France. They would cross the English Channel to sell wares, trade tin, which is like a big metal that they had and made at the time, in fact, the Romans finally, they conquered Gaul, which is today France, France, and many noble Gauls actually fled to Britain for safety. Nice. So, so France it, getting conquered. That's yeah, France refreshing. getting conquered. That seems to be a bit of a myth as well, that like France is this, as as as, uh, as Simpsons likes to put it, cheesy in Surrender Monkeys. <laughs> France, I think, in terms of statistics, has the most successful military in the world. I think, but they've also had the like, massive failures as well. Oh, God, yeah, early. they definitely have. But, yeah, it seems that recent, more recent history has very much, like, coloured the way we look at France, which yeah, is really we, bizarre. I say we, England conquered them. Did they we? Yeah, Henry V conquered France. And then uh, Henry VI yeah. gave it back because he's a little fuckboy. Yeah, fair enough. And then Germans rolled straight through. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, so Britain wasn't just this sort of, as we try and maybe think, people covered in blue, absolute savages, stuff like that. I mean, there was still human sacrifice and the keeping of heads was a normal thing. As and you do. There were druids running around, but at least they were salesmen and they were good <laughs> at that. So that's something. Anyway, <clears throat> let us do a time team special and walk through time. And uh, for those of you who don't know, particularly our listeners that are not in the UK, which we have quite a lot of now, and I'm genuinely Apparently, quite we have staggered. More, we have more non-UK listeners, which is shocking. So <laughs> I think the only UK listeners are me, you, and my mum. Yeah. Uh, was it time For those, as I say, who don't live in the UK or, or are not from the UK who listen to us, and thank you very much for listening to us, Time Team is a history show in the UK where Tony Robinson, who is most famous for playing Baldrick and Blackadder, mm-hmm. it goes around the UK digging up everything, talking about pottery and how great the Romans were. So speaking of the Romans, in 41 CE, Emperor Claudius was newly appointed absolute ruler of the Roman Empire, but he was not without his critics. He was born with a disability, causing him to have a limp and had a speech impediment. His family didn't even think him fit enough to be an emperor, so he was always cast aside as a child and didn't really see the public much. But, through a series of bloody events, namely his nephew Caligula being murdered, he was named Emperor of Rome by the Praetorian Guard. Now, of course, many didn't like him being emperor, and he dodged a few assassination attempts. So he needed to get the people on his side, and what better way to do that than winning glory for Rome? Which yeah. is a big trope in nearly any movie that has a Roman soldier in it. Yeah, you've got to win glory. Have you ever seen, what's that film? It's got a Channing Tatum in it. Oh, he's a Roman soldier. Uh, is it fu- Ninth Legion or something? Something like that, and he has to get the fucking eagle back. That's right, yeah, they've yeah. got to get the eagle. I, I know, I've seen it. So wanky. They go oh. to Britain, uh, I think they're the They're ninth. in Scotland. The, the Picts, yeah, they fight Picts, isn't yeah. it? And he doesn't he get, like, captured or something? He, he, gets, he gets injured, and then he has to go back, and he has a Scottish slave with him who he forms a bond with. Yeah. And then he gets captured, but he gets set free by his slave. What a and terrible movie. The last scene is him with the eagle, like, fighting off. And it's always the Ninth Legion. Yeah. Always the Ninth. In any Roman movie, it's always the Ninth Legion. Awful film. Apparently in history, the Ninth Legion was a very successful, very well-known legion. legion. Um, but yeah, it's always the Ninth in any movie. That Channing Tatum movie sucks ass, man. <laughs> and any, any Roman movie, there was always one soldier, and they go, why are you here, soldier? And he's like, for the glory of Rome. It's always <laughs> for the glory of Rome. So, uh, of course... We now have to go back even further, okay? We're going to go back over 100 years earlier nice. to Julius Caesar. Oh, or good. apparently Top his line. name is supposed to be pronounced Kaiser. Kaiser? Yeah, Julius Kaiser, apparently, because they don't have like a C like we have it. Oh, really? So Kaiser the C is supposed is... to be pronounced as a K. Kaiser to me is very German. Yeah, uh, well, it's so Caesar, because uh, for some reason how we pronounce it, is I think where you get Kaiser from, Right. because it's pronounced similar. Right, and then I think they nicked it because Kaiser is Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah, so like king, right? Yeah. Uh, but the Russian Tsar is the end of Caesar. Is that's mad? Because that's spelled like T Z A R, isn't it? T S A R. Right. Um, but yeah, that that's comes mad. from Didn't Caesar as well. A lot of stuff comes from Caesar, including like the laurel wreath, which apparently he wore because he was going bald. Well, it's not just wear a cap or like get a beanie. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, the the laurel wreath apparently was just like a ceremonial thing, like you know, that like the queen wears a crown for yeah, opening yeah, yeah. of state or whatever. Yeah. 
And he was like, you don't have to wear it. And he was like, no, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> I want to wear these leaves. <laughs> is that why you're going to wear it? I'm just going to wear it. <laughs> That's true. So every time I have a salad, I should call it a Kaiser salad. Yeah, I think so. I, well, no, a Caesar salad is, I think, spelt differently to Caesar. Is it C-E-A? Uh, and Caesar. Julius, Julius, Julius Caesar is C-A-E. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, well, should we call him G- Julius Kaiser or Caesar? How would you... I mean, I'm the one who has to say every now and then. Julius Kaiser, we shall call him. <laughs> so in 55 BCE, okay, he was running around Europe trying to civilize the Gauls and Germanic tribes, winning glory for Rome. As you do. As he went, he decided he wanted to invade Britannia to be the first Roman emperor, emperor, to be the first Roman general to set foot on this mythical land. Nice. Easier mm. said than done. Oh, yeah. Now... There is only 20 miles at the shortest point between France and Britain, but that does not mean it's an easy cross, okay? Now, Kaiser, Julius Kaiser, actually <laughs> lost a ship uh, with all of his cavalry on the voyage, meaning they couldn't scout out the land when they got to Britain. Oh dear. Yes, the crossing was so fraught with storms that one of the ships was like, oh, we, we, we just can't get there, and in they the turned channel, back around. The channel full of storms. It's really choppy in the winter. David Williams swam it. Yes, the, the, the channel is actually not only, I think, the busiest uh, shipping lane yeah, in the is. world, it's also very, very perilous in the winter months because how choppy it is and stormy it can get. Yeah. And there's only like a brief opening of like a couple of months in the summer periods where it's actually nice and calm, oh, really? which is why you have um, in World War Two, uh, D-Day happened in the summer months because the weather oh, was supposed so to be lovely across. and calm so they could get across. And then there's like a case of when you hit to like September, October time, they're like, you just can't cross it. It's very, very difficult to navigate. Building Obviously, a channel tunnel must have been impossible. Yeah, that's an amazing feat of engineering. Yeah. I don't know how the hell you do that. I don't know if it, it doesn't like go through the water. It's going to go under the ground that the water's on, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where to start. Where would you start with that? Oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe in Dover. Yeah, it start. Yeah, was Dover, Dover <laughs> London, Kent? Hey, because it starts in London, then goes through Kent. Oh Christ, yeah, it does, it doesn't to, it? But 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 London and Kent are the easy bits because that's above ground. Like that's not a problem. Yeah, it's when you get into because like I've been, you, it's suddenly just all like you go dark. It just goes dark, and then you come out the other side. And You're it's in just France. A fucking the first thing you see is like a fucking winery on the right like yeah brilliant that's so stereotypical yeah. a winery on the right a baguette shop on the left yeah just a couple of mimes in the field <laughs> anyway we've gone off course uh as did that ship carrying all his cavalry what a great segue that was that was a great segue so yes it was a choppy choppy crossing and his ship with all his cavalry decided they couldn't make it so they turned back round and headed back for gaul and thought that they'd wait for him um hmm. anyway when they actually landed, they were met with some very angry natives, which I think is kind of understandable. These random dudes in armour have just turned up on their shore. Yeah. Not kind of happy about it. I mean, it's the same nowadays with England, isn't it? Fair enough. Uh, they attacked them on arrival, and he actually fended them off and stayed there for a little time before fleeing in the midnight hours back to Gaul, narrowly escaping what is a failed expedition. Oh. Yes, uh, so because obviously he lost all of his cavalry, he couldn't go exploring very far. Yeah. So he ended up just putting up a little fort, sitting in it for a little while, and then they started losing food, so he started foraging for a little while. Right. And then native Britons kept attacking him, and he was like, right, it's I'm not going to be able to stay here for very long. Yeah. And so in the middle of the night, they hopped back on their ships and went back to Gaul. Fair. Mm. Now, that didn't stop him, of course. He did eventually go back the very next year with more men, and this time, cavalry. And they smashed it. They fought native tribes in open field, but the Britons didn't know how to deal with heavily armoured soldiers. 
particularly in formations. And in time, several leaders of tribes actually came to Caesar, or Kaiser, recognising that they couldn't defeat this force and made peace with him. Yeah. I think it was like 11. I think 11 tribes, kings of tribes, came up to him and was like, yeah, we recognised it. You're pretty impressive, and we're not going to be able to defeat you. Yeah, because bar- they were barbarians, essentially. Anyone who wasn't Roman was called barbarian. Yeah. So that that that's bizarre. That's that shows sort of their their view on the world. If you're not Roman, you are. But then they were barbarian, like miles ahead of everyone else at this point. They were. They were very, very, very impressive as a as a sort of a people. But then I've always wondered. This is a massive off track. Why are they called Romans, and not Italians? Where was the rest of Italy? So uh, Rome, Italy. What what we see, what we know as Italy now, has only been Italy in the eighteen hundreds. So what's it? So Italy's younger than America. Mad. Fun fact. Uh, as is Germany, I believe. Is it? Germany was established in eighteen seventy. I'm gonna say. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, send us an email. Uh, that's what people do. Podcast at gmail.com. And um, yeah, or send us in a little abusive tweet at that's WPD. Nice. Um, I'm getting really good with these segues. Well, you know them. But as, as far as I'm aware, if I can remember my GCSE history uh, okay enough, um, Germany was founded in 1870. The actual nation that we know itself now, it was beforehand just bev- like states, yeah, uh, areas, um, and it was like a Germanic area, and they yeah. all spoke it. And then they formed one big nation. But as well, Italy is also, again, younger than America and was only formed in the 1800s. I'm going to say the mid-1800s. So it was just Rome, this massive city? No, was... beforehand it was city-states. Right. So uh, you had Venice would be its own little state. You would right. have Bologna as its own city-state. Um, Madrid, no, Madrid, that's Spain, what am I talking about? Rome was a city-state like in itself. Yeah, yeah, Milan, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. And they're all little city-states independent from one another. And right, they would okay. actually fight each other quite a lot. And then what happened was just, you know, Rome grew. It just grew out and yeah. they just called everything Rome. So yeah. what the Empire, Roman Empire, would just, you know, you call Italy Rome, I suppose. I guess it's kind of like the Normans, isn't it? At one point, the Normans weren't French. They were the Normans. Yeah, well, that's where the Norm- Norman is North Man. Yeah. Um, because they're men from the North. Because I know my brother with that. Because I'm just like, oh, it's the French. And they're like, no, he's not the French. No, he's not French. It's the Normans. No. No, they're William not. the Conqueror. Exactly, yeah. He wasn't necessarily French. I mean, he was by like a couple of generations born yeah. France. But um, yeah, it would be like, I suppose, my native Essex just rising up and taking over England. Yeah. When we'd all be called Essex. That's the same thing as Rome. That'd be weird. It's like all the <laughs> Liverpool fans going scouse, not English. I don't think they've quite grasped the concept of geography. No, yeah, you're right. Um, so... Back to Julius Caesar, Caesar, whatever you want to call him. Caesar, Mr. Salad. <laughs> he soon left Britannia and headed back for Gaul. Now, technically, both trips that he established and completed were absolute failures in that he didn't manage to establish any settlements or do any real lasting damage on the island. But he was the first Roman general to land on Britannia, which, you know, is something. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of never went back. So fast forward 100 years and we are back to Claudius, who desperately needs a win to solidify himself as emperor. And what better way to do that than to do what his predecessor couldn't and conquer Britain? Yeah, go All for right? it, <clears throat> So, it is now 43 CE. The Romans made moves to the Channel. Now, it is also important to note, 
what the Romans thought of Britannia at this time. So before Caesar landed, they had this view that, this sounds really, really stupid, that gold just lay on the ground, that pearls were littering the beach, but, you know, Caesar debrief yeah. told another story. Right. There was no gold littering the ground or pearls littering the beaches, but savages with blue skin who charged you naked with blue skin and no fear of death. And so the rumours grew, and a hundred years later, people still believed this. There were rumours that the souls of people crossed the channel to the land, and that's where they stayed, <laughs> and that the channel itself was full of terrifying monsters ready to swallow up the ship's crossing. Right. So they've got proper, like, they've just ran away with their own imagination as to what Britain is actually like. Yeah. Based on the few facts that Caesar was able to tell them. When really it was just a couple of naked guys painted themselves blue. Yeah. So the Roman view of the world was like, almost like a rectangle, and they were smack bang in the middle of that rectangle, and Britannia was literally at the top edge of the map. It was literally the end of the world up there. There was yeah. nothing else after that, right? Right. So, it was unexplored by them. They had no idea what to expect, and many soldiers actually began to worry about this expedition that they were going on. They were quite literally about to walk into some kind of hell and battle creatures completely unknown. They just let their imaginations run away with them. Now, a cool story is actually a mutiny was brewing in the ranks, but Claudius had sent one of his closest advisors and friend, a name, uh, a guy named Narcissus, yeah, who uh, himself was an ex-slave. I recognise that name. Mm, Narcissus. Well, that's where we get the word narcissism Narcissus. from. Because I'm sure there was a Narcissus who loved himself so much. Maybe that's another story. I believe he is a Greek, Greek god yeah. who is obsessed with himself. There's a flower as well, because there's that flower Narcissus, I think. Um, all I know is that, Nar uh, as far as I'm aware, it was a Greek god, and obviously the Greek and Romans kind of shared gods, I yeah. believe, at some point, and just interchanged names. So it could be that he's the same, named after the same guy. Yeah. Uh, but I believe that Narcissus was a Greek not even a god. He was a Greek oh, um, just a, yeah, just a guy. guy, just a dude, who was obsessed with the goddess of the hunt. I'm sure there was flowers Artemis, involved somewhere as well. I think her name's Artemis. She was yeah. a goddess of the hunt. He was obsessed with her, but she was like a pure virgin and like no one could touch her and kind of thing. Yeah. And he was like, I can't remember what it was, but I know I know that like something was, a curse was put on him or something, something or a hex. Because of how much he loved himself. Yeah, and he ended up looking in a pond, seeing his own reflection and was so in love with it that he wanted to like kiss it and like be with it and then fell into the pond and drowned. Nice. That's I think that's I, go. I think that's right. But we're not talking about Greek stories. <laughs> we're talking about the Romans and we're talking about a guy called Narcissus who himself was an ex-slave who has been told to overwatch the invasion by his best mate Emperor Claudius. Now, what a way to get up as well by the way. You've become you were an ex-slave and you're now like best mates with the emperor. Yeah, that's tight. It's a bit gladiator, isn't it? Yeah, work your way up. Yeah, except in reverse. He was a slave. A, f a friend of the the emperor. Yeah. And then became a slave. Oh, that's a shame. And then killed an emperor. But, you know. Yeah, as you do. Anyway. Spoilers. Oh, God, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway. In the film now. He joined, right? He got wind of the mutiny, okay? And before it started, he supposedly stood in front of the men and said, If me, a mere slave, can take on the challenge, then surely you, true Romans, can handle it with complete and utter ease. Now, possibly out of shame, being one-upped by an ex-slave, 
they seem to have rethought and the invasion went ahead without a hitch. Nice. Um, but it's interesting to see that's how scary they thought Britannia was. Mm. That it took, like, you know, it took them an ex-slave to be like, don't be a pussy. Yeah, man up. And they were like, oh, fucking hell. All right, if he can do it, <laughs> I can do it kind of thing. I'm a Roman. <clears throat> so the Romans made landfall with four legionaries, which is around 20,000 men. Jesus yeah, Christ. That's a lot of men. The only thing, you know what really staggers me is the amount of men you see in historical battles. Yeah, it's just... It's just and the, the fact that it's just two armies just fucking charging each other. Just going for each other. And how many die as well. Yeah. They're like... Ugh. Imagine being in the front row. You'd be like, I'm fucked. I don't stand a chance. Yeah. Whereas best... if I was like at the back of the biggest army, I'd be like, this is Kushti. You I'm going to get there the and it's going to be done. Yeah, you want to be at the back. You want to be the commander general just sort of at the back. Except for Julius Caesar apparently went in head first all the time. But it turns <laughs> out as well, because, I mean, apart from the Romans, and even that, I'm not sure how accurate this is, Romans had a uniform, right? Yeah. The, it's very. We all know what a Roman yeah, looks like. Famous, when I yeah. tell you what does a Roman look like, you have an image in your head of what a Roman Gold is dressed like. The red fucking... Yeah, yeah, and they've got like the silver breastplates yeah, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. But generally, in these types of battles, people just you know wore. They were peasants, a lot of them. They had no money. They just had pitchforks and you know just round them old clothing of their own right a lot of people end up killing each other like their own men they just didn't know who was who they don't know who's who like as far as they're concerned i'm just here to kill someone and get out of this yes, and if anyone comes like... near me i'll kill them yeah you know it's mental so they they arrived at twenty thousand men and were uh met with nothing absolute no. fuck all no there was no one, one around not a soul wow <laughs> considering caesar's landing was met with a fight from the get-go um it was all rather anticlimactic for the romans what happened in a hundred years British just get bored. Well, they actually moved inland and eventually met with some natives. I just don't think they were ready for them. They just didn't know they were coming. Oh. So there was just no one there. Didn't have any lookouts. No. So they were met they met natives, uh, led by a king called Caraticus and his brother Togodomus. These are difficult names yeah, now. Yeah, they are. Or Togodum Togodumnus. Like Celtic language. That's isn't the it? one we're going for. Caraticus and his brother Togodumnus. They Togodumnus. were both kings and they they had a two day fight with the Romans. Uh, inevitably they lost and uh, they fled allowing the Romans to reach the River Thames and oh, they crossed they're in Londinium they managed to get past there there wasn't Londinium at the time their aim was to reach a place called Camelodunum which is now Colchester in Essex and we kind of briefly mentioned Colchester uh, the, what podcast was it you said Colchester was the first capital it was, of it was England. the Romans made it the first capital yeah. of um, Britannia and now what is it well we're we're, we're about to establish it beforehand oh but what what's it called then no i mean what is it now it's just pointless isn't it no one goes to colchester anymore uh colchester is a um sort of a, just a historical town in essex and as i say it's got what was the roman fort of camelodunum um and has now got a nice little castle there with like a museum inside it's really really nice little town i really would advise people go to visit it it's lovely so they're on their way to camelodunum it was a strategic town from which they could control the southeast of Britannia relatively comfortably from there. It's yeah. a very good location for them. Now, Claudius made his way to Britannia to, uh, air quotes here, symbolically lead the army to the town. Yeah. Of course, they've done all the heavy lifting. He just has to kind of turn up and be like, I did this. I did this. Yeah. <laughs> for the glory of Rome. Typical leader. They defeated the local tribe and took the town. Uh, now, this show of strength was enough to convince uh, 11 tribe kings to submit to the Romans for peace. And Claudius, as a, a serious, like, you know, big dick energy, he entered the town on the back of an elephant to show his power. 
they bought an elephant. Yeah, he brought an elephant just to like ride on the back of it into the town to be like, look, for fuck's sake, look that, at me. That's so extra, but kind of admirable. I can imagine that like no Briton had ever seen an elephant at no. that time as well. Um, to be fair, even now, if someone rode an elephant down the road here, I'd be like, what? What's going on here? Yeah, that would be a bit bizarre. <laughs> um, so yeah, he rode an elephant to show his power. He stayed for a couple of weeks and then started off back to Rome. Nice. He's literally he's done his bit. He's come over. He's got the scissors. He's cut the tape. He's fucked off back yeah. home to his nice Before villa he gets in killed. Rome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not it's not safe. It's cold. It's shit here. It's probably yeah, it's raining horrible. at the time as well. It's not very nice. So he got his win. All right. Yeah. Now it sounds sensible for the leaders to recognise the superiority and save their people when like all the tribes bowed down to Romans, but. Yeah. It doesn't seem that that's quite how it works. You see, um, the Britons were not a unified people with any sense of Britishness like we have that defined them. Um, they were tribal people whose power was fragile, to say at best. Tribal leaders were elected through strength, and once that leader died or was killed, another one would just take the place and take the tribe off in a different direction and do something different. Yeah. So tribes were always at each other's throats and looking at ways to get one over on each other. So it's likely that what the tribes were doing was trying to use the Romans to gain an advantage over their neighbours. But, of course, you don't use the Romans. The Romans use you. Yeah. All right? Their whole strategy was divide and conquer. Dominate the enemy and make allies with them to show others who wish to fight the benefits of being a friend of Rome. And over time, Rome would assimilate these people into their way of life. And that's exactly what was beginning to happen. So, over the next 20 years, Rome swept through the country, setting up bases and putting down tribes. One man who was shown this style of conquering was a man called Caraticus, the king who fought the Romans when they landed. Yeah. He managed to actually escape the fight and, you know, to come back another day, only, again, to be defeated. He was captured and sent in front of the emperor, where he begged for his life and the lives of his family. The emperor for some odd reason, showed mercy and allowed him to live out the rest of his days in, you know, Italy. Well, what was the Roman Empire oh, at the nice. time? Yeah, so he spent the rest of his days there in a villa, like, Fucking you know, hell. under, under prison, I mean, prison kind of guards, like, yeah. it was essentially house arrest, but... I mean, that's cool, you're in Italy. Yeah, he was sent there with his family, left out the rest of his days, like, yeah. that was it. Like, he just disappears from then on. That's yeah. the, the last we know of him, he gets sent to Rome. Well, he had a happy-ish ending. Well, this is the thing. There's quite a lot of theories going out that, you know, and apparently this was a thing that the Romans did. The Romans would be like, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's fine. We'll show mercy. Come come live. We'll give you a villa. And then, like, you know, wouldn't be un... Wouldn't be, um... What's it? Out of the ordinary for that person to mysteriously just die. Yeah. In the villa. Just kill them quietly. Yep. So this was, you know, a huge show of strength. The emperor decides who lives and who dies. Only submit to Rome and we will be merciful. And so, you know, tribes over time begin to pacify and accept Roman influence. Romans would allow kings to stay in control of their tribes so long as they pay tribute and trade with Rome, which was really common around the Roman Empire. They seem to be kind of really cool about you having your own faith, yeah. um, kind of cool with you, you know, fine, yeah, stay king, but remember you do owe us taxes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, you know, they, they essentially made puppet states, I suppose. They were just setting up a society. Yeah, they just wanted to be the rulers of it all. Uh, obviously, you know, they got a lot of benefits from it, a lot of money. They were very, very rich. Yeah. Um, so one king who made a deal with the Romans was a guy called Prasutagus. He was king of the Iceni tribe. And now I know this episode is about Boudicca. And so far, we haven't even spoke about her. But 
it is really important to give context to the world that she lives in and the events that lead up to her becoming the person that we know. Yeah, okay? for sure. So, we shall continue with Prasutagus. He's the king of the Iceni tribe, whose queen we all know as Boudicca. He had an agreement with the Romans, and this agreement was that when Prasutagus died, his land would be shared by his daughters, his two daughters, solidifying their power as rulers of the tribe eventually, um, but would submit to Roman rule. Yeah. So the empire, the empire would have the land, but also share that with the girls, and they would be the queens and rule the land and the people, and basically just continue what he was doing with them. Yeah. So that was that was the rule. Okay, that was the plan that they had in mind. Okay. The Romans accepted this deal and gave the Iceni a loan of 40 million sesterces, which was their currency, yeah. which apparently, apparently, in today's money, would be around $60 million. That's a whole lot of wonga. It's quite a lot of money for like a, a tribe. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how far that would go, but yeah. they gave that to them as a loan to help them assimilate into Roman culture, basically, so that they can buy Roman wares with Roman money. Yeah. Uh, so that eventually, you know, when, when time comes that power gets moved over to Rome like it's easy easily done yeah so in 60 CE King Prasutagus dies and Boudicca is left as the queen of the Iceni tribe but nice. like I said before you don't use the Romans the Romans use you and they did not see Boudicca as a legitimate ruler mainly because she was a woman but also because that was not part of the agreement that they previously made yeah right now at this time Claudius is gone. He's no longer the emperor. Right. He's long gone. And his adopted son, Nero. Nero, heard, yeah. yeah. You've definitely heard of that name. His adopted son, Nero, was emperor. You'd probably do an episode on Nero at some point. It might be interesting to do. Because he has, like, I think it was, like, five or so years where he's, like, the best fucking emperor in the world. And yeah. if he'd, like, just died then, he'd go down as the best emperor ever to have lived. Yeah. Because he just did some really, really interesting, cool things. And then just went mental. <laughs> now Nero was a lavish spender and needed funds to keep his lifestyle so had the governor of Britannia Suetonius Paulinus collect taxes and any debts owed and that this was a, a perfect opportunity to go after the Iceni and take one the land and two the debt of 40 million cestuses with interest so they swept through the tribe they looted every single home taking everything of value Men were taken away as slaves. Right. They were to be sold. And women just were raped. Yeah, raped and pillaged. Yep. Uh, and Boudicca, as queen, demanded this stop. But the Romans, uh, they didn't. And uh, they grabbed Boudicca. They stripped her naked. And they flogged her in front of her tribe. And her daughters were not spared either, as both of them were raped by Roman soldiers. Now, the treatment that they endured was barbaric which is somewhat ironic as the Romans deemed themselves to be civilized and, yeah. you know, uh, stamping out barbarism all yeah. over the place, bringing civilization to other places. And the fact that they could do that was truly like horrendous. But I will also point out that the treatment that the Iceni suffered from those Romans uh, was neither common or rare. Okay. Um, in that the Romans were known to be forceful when needed to enforce their rule over a place, but what happened to Boudicca and the Iceni completely shocked even Romans right. when they found out what happened. Okay. They weren't that best pleased. That's interesting. Yeah, it is, right? So, regardless, it happened, Yeah. you know, and man, did it backfire on them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it it's not, that was not normal. Yeah. It happened, it was very, very strong, and 
an awful act as to what happened there. Yeah. But like I say, not not normal, but not irregular. Yeah, you know? I get you. I get you. So, Boudicca did not bow down, all right? She did not lick her wounds. She did not get too, you know, caught up in it all. It, instead, what happened is it sort of, it sparked a fire within her. Yeah. She met with neighbouring tribes who sympathised with her, uh, one of which being the tribe called Trinovantes, uh, which come from my native Essex. Nice. Um, yeah, oh, that was really cool. Um, they began to summon a force to rebel against Roman rule. Now, the Trinovantes, they were pissed as the Romans were one of the... They were one of the first tribes that, you know, the Romans had conquered and took Camelodunum from, okay? Which, again, is Colchester today. And they set up a Roman town there, uh, mainly for ex-soldiers to live out their retirement in peace. So it became... Yeah, um, like a retirement town. Yeah, a retirement town. This was called a colonia, which is where we get the words for colony and colonial. Oh, okay. Um, the Trinovantes were particularly upset with the fact that the Romans built a temple in the middle of the town dedicated to Emperor Claudius. Yeah. Obviously the man who has overawed them, right? Yeah. Who <laughs> walked in on a horse. Uh, yeah. Not on a uh, horse, elephant. on an elephant. Yeah. So he became a bit of a godlike figure when he died, so they built a temple to worship him. Now this was a serious fuck you to the natives living there, and Cam- Camelodunum was the first name on her list of places to destroy. Now, aware of how powerful the Romans were in a fight, Boudicca waited for Paulinus. If you remember, he's the governor of Britannia. Right, okay. She waited for Paulinus and his forces to leave for Anglesey in Wales. Yeah. It's said that Anglesey was the home of the Druids, and it's also said that the Druids were the ones who were, you know, keeping this native Britain rebellion going. They were right. the ones who were continuing sending people off to fight them and all that stuff. They sort of saw Anglesey as a training camp for terrorists. Right, okay. So they were like, we need to go there and kill the druids and sort of, you know, chop the head off the snake yeah. and kill off everything here. So that was their plan. So they made their way to Anglesey, which meant Boudicca made her way to Camelodunum with her force of 120,000 men. That's a whole lot of men. Yeah, and not just men, women as well. Yeah, I imagine everyone was pissed. That's so many fucking people. So That's many like people. Wembley Stadium plus 40,000. Yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Yeah. Imagine, like, the whole of Wembley Stadium. Just the whole of Wembley Stadium on its own. Just like, have you, have you seen, like, the bridge towards Wembley Stadium and everyone's yeah. just walking in it? Like, yeah. that's packed. Yeah. Imagine trying to fight all those people. Jeez. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist 
specialist to find out if it's right for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, she and her force of 120,000 men descended upon largely undefended town, which had no walls, bear in mind. Right. Had no walls to protect it. And uh, this is the bit where Boudicca goes from kind of, this is what she's famous for. Mm. And a lot of people are like, go Boudicca. Yeah. And I do as well to a degree. Yeah. And I'll tell you for why in a second. Okay. So, they savaged the place, right? Yeah, I imagine. They slaughtered everyone. They beheaded everyone, dismembering anyone Roman. Some were hanged. Some were boiled alive. Others alive while they were being disemboweled. And this was men, women, and sometimes even children. No, you got to do what you got to do. Well, yeah. Most of the people living there were civilians. They weren't soldiers. Yes. Although it was a town of ex-soldiers, they were ex-soldiers they families there as well. in retirement. Yeah, which meant they had their families with no, them. That's not the best look, is it? Yeah, exactly. Cassius Dio explains that, quote, They hung up naked the noblest and most distinguished women and then cut off their breasts and sewed them to their mouths to make the victims appear to be eating them. Afterwards, they impaled the women on skewers, run lengthwise through the entire body. Well, they are bar- bar- uh, barbarians, I guess. Now, again, like I said before, I will clarify, history is written by the victors, okay? Now, it's likely that they he may have wrote this to make them sound yeah, even more bit. demon-like and barbarous so that people wouldn't give a shit as much. And Boudicca watched her daughters get raped. So, yeah. At that point, it's kind of just there's no rules. Everyone just fuck each other up. It does seem there was no rules. So word gets out to Paulinus that a rebellion was in action, led by a woman, and so he sent two hundred unarmed slaves and two thousand five hundred soldiers to quash the rebellion against one hundred twenty thousand. Against one hundred twenty. He had no idea, people. did he? <laughs> Obviously, they were no match for the one hundred twenty thousand yeah. strong force of Boudicca. The Romans that survived the initial onslaught, they barricaded themselves in the hated temple of Claudius, which is now where Colchester Castle actually stands today. So if you do go to Colchester Castle, right, um, go in there, you can head underground and you can actually see the foundations of um, Claudius's temple. And you can actually, like, you know, touch the bricks and, you know, essentially you're in that temple. It's really, really cool. But it's also kind of nasty when you know that People died in here. Yeah. Um, so, yes, as I say, it's now where Colchester Castle stands today. Two days went by. Okay, these people were barricading themselves Jeez. in this temple, and Boudicca's forces just waited outside for them. Okay? Yeah, wet them up. Now, they got bored. And whilst bored of waiting, Boudicca burned the entire town of Camelodunum, with Romans hiding in the temple, only able to watch on in horror. And then she turned the fires onto the temple itself, burning it down with everyone still inside. Right. Doesn't surprise me. Now, the fires were so fierce and hot that building materials that were used to make homes and roads, it's called daub. 
and it's made of a mixture of clay, mud and straw and manure. It actually baked and became pottery-like. Now to make this happen, fires need to reach temperatures between 500 to 700 degrees. Mm. So that's how hot we're talking that the fires were. That's a bit hot. You'll get a tan for sure. Yeah. Again, if you go to Colchester and visit, uh, there is a small pub in the town and you can kind of go out around the back and down some stairs. Yeah. And it's uh, it's got a, like a glass um, sort of uh, a little area that you can see the layers of uh, the ground uh, yeah. through history. And you can see what this dorp was and where it's on the ground, where this town was. Right. And that it's all been baked and it's made into clay. Nice. So that's how we know that that's how hot the temperatures were and that that happened. Fucking hell. Yeah. This is serious destruction, right? She went in. Yeah. A legionary of soldiers, which is about 5,000 men, came to fight the rebellion. But, you know, let's be real. She has got how many men? A lot. A lot. 120,000 soldiers. Yeah, a lot. Of course, they managed to repel the Roman counterattack. Now, their next target was a place called uh, Londinium. Londinium. Which we all know as... London. Excellent. And Boudicca's rage had not calmed one bit. Nice. Burn that place to the ground. Yeah. The savagery shown in Londinium was just as bad as Camilla Dunham. Anyone in anyone Roman living in the city, mostly civilians, remember, yep. were murdered in some truly horrendous ways. Women uh, did have their breasts hacked off their bodies. Others were beheaded, and Londinium, just like Camilla Dunham, was burned to the ground with everyone slaughtered. Now, in the Museum of London today, they still have remains of ashes from the burning of Londinium. Which museum? The uh, Museum of London. Where's that? Uh, I, it's near. Um, Mm, let me think. Let I've me never think. even heard of that. It's it's actually in the city of London. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, so that's as that's as narrow down as I can so get. So it's like the right of Westminster. Yeah. So if again for the, for those who are not native to the UK, there is London and then there is the city of London. It's really bizarre. There is Westminster, a city inside a city. Westminster is its own city as well. I'm I sure. Don't think it's a city. I think West, West Westminster is its own little area. I think, but it's part of the city of London because there's there's um. Because it used to be walled off, and like if you look in London, there's like pillars every like every now and then on either side of a road, and they either have a horse, or I think it's a dragon. That's no, a it, dragon. That's the city of London. The, yeah, it represents the city walls. That's the city of London. That's not Westminster side. So Westminster's not London. Westminster is London, but the city. It's of, not the city of London. Yeah, but Fair, the city right. of London is sort of where our financial heart of the UK is, and it's where you'll find St Paul's Cathedral, the Tower of London, Tower Bridge. Um, all the important shit is. The Barbican Theatre, all that sort of stuff. That's yeah. that's where you'll find stuff in the city of London, which was Londinium. Yeah. So that's where it comes from. So the, si- the city of London that. was Londinium. Right. And okay. that's where the walls are. The walls yeah. are the outline of what was the old... It's like a, it's a mile and a quarter or something. Yeah. Or, or Yeah, something like that. It's not very large at all. No, it's and, that, and it's only north of the River Thames. Yeah. Which was where they, they built it. Yeah. And then it, you know, it, it stayed walled the whole time. Yeah. And then people were living in amongst it, just referred to themselves as, you know, Londinians yeah. or Londoners living in that area. And then the city outside of those walls became London as well. Yeah. Um, just expanded. Right. But yeah, and as far as I'm aware, I may be wrong, because uh, there is a mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, yeah. at the moment. Uh, the city of London has its own mayor as well. Really, and this and Sadiq Khan, Mayor of London, has no jurisdiction in the City of London. If he wants to do anything in the City of London, he has to go to the Mayor of the City of London and say, "Can we do this?" And he'll say, "No." No way. They have their own jurisdiction and stuff like that. I don't think even the Queen is allowed to actually go into the City of London because I think it's an independent state, kind of of its own. 
I didn't even realise. Yeah, it's really complicated and really, really interesting all in the same is that the City of London is its own little independent kind of state that just runs on itself. Yeah, mad. Which is why you can tell the difference when you walk from, you know, just London in general yeah, really and can. then you go into the City of London. It gets um, a lot nicer. It's fantastic. It's really, really interesting. Maybe we do a little think about it, talk about L- it one day. A little walking tour. Yeah, maybe I'll like... Uh, I'll maybe I'll write a little something and we'll just explain how that goes. <laughs> I don't know. We'll think about it. But yeah, look it up. Honestly, really do look it up. It's very, very interesting. So, next on the list was Verulanium. Today, it's known as St. Albans, which is obviously just a little yeah. bit north of London. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it was subjected to the same treatment. Londinium and Camelodunum were served and she burnt it to the ground, slaughtering the inhabitants again Mostly civilians. Same old, same old. Same old, same old. And uh, give, do you want to give a guess as how many people she, she killed? Well, she had 120,000. I'm going to assume she killed more than that because there were civilians. No? No. It's still high. Now, <laughs> this is the thing. 50? It's estimated that Boudicca and her army killed between seventy to 80,000 people during her rebellion. Mostly civilians. Mostly civilians. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'd like to also point out as well, like when we were saying, like, oh, maybe it's going to be more people than hers, and I was like, less. That doesn't mean, like, you know, that's better. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's still seventy thousand people minimum yeah. that have been murdered by yeah. this woman. Um, what an insane number, right? For balance, again, I want to point out history's written by the victor, okay. <laughs> And the only real accounts that we have at the time were written by Roman historians. So we must take what is being said with a pinch of salt. But what we do know is that these cities were burnt to the ground and the inhabitants were murdered. In terms of the minutiae detail, like breaths being ripped off, stuff like that. That could be stories. That could be stories. What we do know is that so many people died and these cities were destroyed. But I have no doubt there was some absolute horrendous things that happened. I have no doubt that like horrible stuff. And I reckon, you know... She started this whole thing because her two daughters were raped and she was beaten. Yeah, I guarantee you that the same thing was happening yeah, for sure. in these cities as well yeah. by her people. Yeah, so 100%. you know. Anyway, so the governor in Britannia, Paulinus, wanted an end to this, so decided to meet Boudicca in the field for a pitched battle. This is when two sides actually decide a time and a place to battle, and the leaders meet and then they have a little yeah, chat yeah. and then they so, go yeah. back. I always thought whenever I watched a movie. Why? Why? Do, how do they know where to meet? Yeah, and it's a case it. if they send riders out, they do organise. We'll meet here. We'll meet at this time, and then like it seems quite civilised. Really, it's like a proper little school fight, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's like meet at bike sheds behind school, or whatever. At three o'clock. Yeah, at three o'clock. Um, I can also point out as well. Anyone in history who's ever agreed to meet the Romans in a pitched battle has ever won. Really? No one's ever won. Wow. Romans beat them every time. It's because they're trained soldiers, whereas the other people are just barbarians just fucking running. As far as I'm aware, they were the first paid military in the world. Yeah, and they had all their formations and their cool little shields. To be a soldier was a profession. Yeah. You were were paid. You did 25 years, and then you can retire, and you were given land. Well, they're saying that the Spartans, they were professional soldiers. No, they they, I don't think they were paid. That was their duty to do so. They they had other... That was their profession. The thing... Yeah, yes, you're right in that it was their profession... But they weren't like they weren't paid a salary. They had a different way of living. Uh, they relied completely on slaves, and so they had a slave underclass that worked the land for, for them, them, which meant they didn't need to work or so do anything. So they can just train to be soldiers all their yeah, time because they were fucking awesome. Yeah, they were. They're, they, you know, they're quite a formidable force. Well, there's a particular time in Spartan history where yeah. they are this this you know mystified thing. Yeah. And the the idea, I think this is a myth. 
the idea of 300 Spartans against the whole Persian army. Yeah. I don't think I think that's a myth. There wasn't 300. There was actually like thousands of them. Yeah. And it wasn't it necessarily was... Spartans as well. There were Athenians. There were other Greeks. There were loads of people there. But it's it just wasn't... the 300 is what we see. It wasn't a massive force though. Leonidas did take a small force. Yeah, up. yeah. What happened was I think what I th- what I believe happened again. Correct us if we are wrong. Uh, is that the 300 Spartans with Leonidas said we will hold them off while everyone retreats. Yeah. And that's what it was. And then the Battle of Thermopylae happened and yeah. the Persians got fucking wiped. That's right, yeah. They they knew. They, they knew it was a suicide mission. They because knew cause was... the Athenians, oh, we're going massively off track here, but the Athenians yeah. and the Spartans had beef and then they were like, let's put our beef to bed yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, Peloponnesian Wars, I believe yeah. they're called. Because the Spartans were the soldiers, the Athenians were the clever ones. So not only have we gone off track, we've gone off track by literally... Almost like a thousand years. It's well interesting. I think Leonidas will be an episode at some point. We've got so many ideas. We've got so anyway, many cool stuff to talk Boudicca. about. Anyway, Boudicca is meeting the Romans in the open field for a battle. All right. They're going to meet at a place called Watling Street, which is. Sounds so- nice. Yeah, it's somewhere in the Midlands. We don't actually know. That's where we are now. Could be here. We are in the Midlands. It could be somewhere around here as well. We have no idea. No one actually knows where it was. Watling Street. All we know is it was, it was in the Midlands. Again, uh, Midlands is quite a literally just area. a massive area in the middle of England. Midlands, East Midlands. Yeah, yeah. There's an East Midlands, West Midlands, and then if you go up as far as Nottingham, that's technically still the Midlands, but some of them say they're Northerners. Yeah, it gets a bit. Gray it, get, area. it gets very, very grey. So, the Romans were situated up a slight hill between two forests, giving them high ground advantage. And as anyone who's watched episode three of yeah. Star Wars knows, it's it is, over Anakin. It's over Anakin. It is imperative that you have the high ground. And the forests to the right and left of them made it really difficult for them to be flanked by Boudicca. So yeah. it was a really, really good strategic they position. They knew what they were doing. Romans in the open field are almost unbeatable. Yeah. Romans in cities are shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they are really bad yeah. at like, uh, urban conflict. Now, Boudicca brought her forces. Okay, They're sitting at about 100,000 now. They've, they've okay, lost a few men. They've lost a few men. All right, yeah. They've come in now with 100,000 men arriving and a lot of them are like I said actually women um, they yeah. formed up as best they could of course they weren't quite as militarily minded as the Romans were mm-hmm. and they had supply wagons brought with them with family members children wives people like that all sitting on the back of them and they made a nice semicircle behind Boudicca's forces which would one trap the Romans from running out and getting away from them yeah. but also it meant that they could watch whilst they eviscerated the Romans and finally killed them off kind of thing and we got yeah. rid of them that kind of stuff so that was the point of the uh, semicircle of wagons now Boudicca gave you know some very impressive impassioned speech to her forces which apparently uh, I don't know which historian it was Dio or Tacitus one of them has it like written down what she said it's like oh, really? you definitely don't know what she said no, it was you there. have no idea and what she you, said you can't speak to a hundred thousand people without a microphone right I reckon, like, again every people movie every movie people like, at the back are like what yes <laughs> people at the back just see everyone at the front mexican waves start going yeah 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 and you're like all right fucking yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what happens man so yeah she apparently gave a very impassioned speech and uh yeah set her forces to charge uh, the Romans, who were outnumbered with only 10,000 men. 100,000 against 10,000. It yeah, shouldn't apparently even be so. a fight, should it? No. They knew what they were doing. No, they, they repelled the initial attack. They threw javelins at them. Yeah. And uh, the Brits, with hardly any armour, obviously a lot of them ran naked, yeah. uh, with 
painted blue. A lot of them did have some form of light chain mail as well, because yeah. obviously they're not complete savages. They did have armors to some yeah. degree, but they you know preferred to run naked. It seems um, they got obviously a lot of javelins to them, and uh, they were at great risk. Loads of them died. Lots of them littered the floor, yeah. and the others that survived the javelins started using their shields. But those shields were terrible, made Little, of like wicker wooden, and wood and yeah. shit. They were destroyed within a second of taking one javelin hit. That's it, they're done. So now yeah. they're just defenseless. They've just got their sword. They've not even got to the Roman line yet. So they start retreating. Yeah. Of course, they've got all their dead comrades laying on the floor. They're tripping over everyone. Yeah. And at this point, the Romans were like, we've got them. It's just a they're mess. running. Yeah. Fucking move forward. And they, as the Romans do, start fucking moving forward. And uh, yeah, yeah. It became a bloodbath. Yeah, for the Britons specifically, it was, they were done. Yeah. They were ill-equipped. They were ill-prepared. They were fighting an army that was, yes, outnumbered, but was well-trained and well-equipped and, mostly importantly, experienced. Yeah. More than anything, they know what they're doing. They're shit-hot at this stuff, right? Yeah. It's also something, just a little aside, me, personally, looking at it whenever I was when I was doing this research, Boudicca has killed, like, seventy to 80,000 people. Yeah. She sounds like she's really formidable. They're all civilians, nearly. Yeah. Most of them are civilians. Yeah. Are unarmed people. Now, it seems like the first time where she's actually come up against, you know, some proper Roman opposition. Yeah. That they fucked it. it. Yeah. They completely fucked it. Because she, it seems she's not militarily minded in any way, shape or form. She's just a queen of this tribe. And yeah. she's like, well, we'll do that. And everyone's like, yeah, go on. And they've got hyped up and they just go for it. Yeah, that's how I see it. You know, it's, they're not, they were never going to win. Yeah. Never. The only way maybe I think they could have won is if they'd stayed, I don't know, in Londinium or something and then brought the Romans to them and maybe they could fight like a guerrilla war. Because, you know, the Britons couldn't do pitched warfare. They don't know how to do it. They're yeah. really bad at it. Anyway, that was a little... That's just me. Okay. So, I have no idea where I was. Oh, no, I do. They were winning the day. Okay, right. So, we, we, we're going to go for this, right? They're winning the day. Boudicca's forces, they couldn't retreat because what's behind them? Wagons. Wagon train. Wagon train was there to stop the Romans getting out. They didn't anticipate that the Brits would need to get out. Yeah. Yeah, it was behind them. And uh, some of them managed to get out. Yeah. You know, good, quite a good few of them. They got out. The rest couldn't, of yeah. course, and were completely and utterly mercilessly slaughtered yeah. by the Romans. It was an unequivocal disaster for Boudicca, who managed to escape herself, but was never seen again. Oh. Yeah, we don't really know what happened to her after that. She just disappears off the face of the earth. Now, um, it's there's a couple of things, right? There's a couple of bits. Roman records estimate that Boudicca lost 80,000 men. So like 20,000 got away. 80 men, women, and children, remember? Yeah. These are the people on this wagon train. Uh, you wonder how many Romans lost? How many? 400. Jesus Christ. So they say, 400 men. That's menzo. Yeah. If yeah. records are to be believed. If records are to be believed, they say they lost 400 men that night. That That's day. crazy. Now, oh, come on, Britons. Do better. Yeah, right. Now, like I say, it, it just shows you how much like discipline... And yeah. tactics can really like win the day. It, all I think is, if you had a hundred thousand people, surround them in a circle, and all just fucking charge at once. Well, that was the thing. The Romans positioned so themselves. The Romans positioned themselves so well that they couldn't be flanked. You had to go up this hill, and because there was two forests either side of the Romans that you were attacking, there's a hundred thousand people all spread out. You have to start narrowing down. A bit battle of Thermopylae. Yeah. You have so to start you, narrowing you down. Put them into a channel. So those 10,000 men that stood side by side can, instead of taking on like, you know, 100,000 people, it starts narrowing down to maybe like 100 people running yeah. out. And they can take that down easy. They've got their shields. Clever. You know, Clever. like to shield wall. 
now oh, like yeah, i said but... it's um it's disputed what actually happened to Boudica and where she disappeared to uh, historian Tacitus tells us that she likely poisoned herself as it would be the only honourable thing to do uh, but Cassius Dio says that she died later of an illness but we really just don't know what happened to her she just completely disappeared off the face of the earth I'm sure recently I'll say recently like 15 years ago I know maybe, where you're going with it they, they said that they found her body they found uh, they found the body or of a skeleton. woman buried She's buried with honours. Under a McDonald's. So much so. Yeah. <laughs> and funny, that, literally 15 minutes from here. Is it really? Yeah, 15 minutes from here. Could be where Watley Street was. Maybe. Um, yeah, that woman, She was. they reckon she was a queen. And carbon dating suggests that it was of a similar time. How? So it could be her. And I think they did a facial recognition of a skull as well to see what she kind of looked like. But who's digging under a McDonald's? Because that McDonald's is still there. They didn't knock it down. Brilliant. So it's like when they found, found Richard III a under a car, car park, park in Leicester. <laughs> it's amazing. What could be beneath us? Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like Britain is such a small country that so many things are built on top of each other. Oh, London's a mass fucking graveyard. If London you dig down anywhere in, in London, you hit a body. I think it's in Aldgate Station. Aldgate, yeah, Aldgate, 10,000. Aldgate Tube Station is situated over a, uh, a, a plague pit. pit. 10,000 people. Mm crazy yeah and they they used to have just pit people just threw bodies in there but they didn't even bury them properly they just went right he's dead put me in there bit of context me and ron used to work at london dungeons that's how we met and i was on like the front door bit once and some guy came in and he generally thought that that's where like the bodies were buried oh I used like to have... he was convinced that's where all the bodies were buried. i used to have so many people come up to me and say um uh so is this this is a real dungeon isn't it you're like no <laughs> so no, no, it's not. Sorry to burst your bubble. A real dungeon would be fucking boring nowadays. <laughs> it would just be a dark room. It's not a real dungeon. Like, people didn't die here. No. Oh, the amount of times, like, we've had people, you know, like, ghost hunters and stuff come around. Yeah. It's like, no. Mate, the Cavalry Hall was built in what? 19, I think it was finished in, like, 1918 or something. Yeah, it's, it's not, not like, It's not. It's, it's, it's only, like, 100 years old. Yeah, nothing fucking happened there. <laughs> nothing happened there. And they keep advertising, oh, I'm trying to share about them, but they did a, a fucking, like, a promo video. Where the actors were telling them what like horror stories happened there, and I was like, bollocks! I know all of you, and bullshit. Did any of that fucking happen? <laughs> Nothing happened. Fun fact: I'm I'm still on the posters for the dungeon. Yeah, uh, you're fucking all over London. I'm I'm still in the tube. If, if you're if, if you're yeah. in a tube tube station, I guarantee that you've seen Ryan. Yeah, uh, check me out on uh, Instagram or whatever, and you'll know what I look like, and then you'll uh, be able to find me on their adverts. Just looking very concerned on a London dungeon poster. See any any Jack the Ripper posters? That's me in there. With yeah. the, I have a red pocket on this t-shirt that i'm wearing on the day and they'll, they'll never get rid of them <laughs> no. they've been there for so long <laughs> uh so anyway right back back to uh Boudica, who has disappeared we don't know what happened to her we think we may have dug her up later on um uh, which you know we discussed this about Tutankhamun. at what point can you dig up someone um yeah but um yeah she's remembered now as a british legend with artwork dedicated to her particularly in the renaissance period when her story was rediscovered and uh, famously, she stands immortalised in statue opposite the Houses of Parliament today, uh, aboard a chariot with her two daughters by her side, ready to fight all injustice. Is that on the like the grass square? No. You know Westminster Bridge? Yes. You know on one side, the county hall side, there's a lion? Yes. On the other side, there's Boudicca on a chariot with her two daughters. I must have walked past that so many times. Google it real quick. Have, fucking, a, have a look. And you're, you're you've definitely block. seen it a million, million times. I know they've got the grass square with all the leaders. And yeah. Is it Churchill's? The Churchill's only one facing there. in? I'm not entirely sure. Because all the others are like facing. It's either he's the only one facing in or I think he's facing out. out. He's, fa- he's the only one facing a certain direction. Yeah. 
No, Boudicca is on her chariot with her two daughters by her side and she's facing the um, Palace of Westminster. We have really glorified the terrorists, haven't we? Well done, England. Good well, job. that's something we need to discuss in a second. But yeah, have a look at that statue. So you think it's a very impressive statue. It's very, very nice. I mean, London's full of nice statues, but you just you see so many, you just kind of ignore them at the end. Mm. Don't you? Have you got it? Yeah. You've Boudicca seen it, haven't you? I've walked, I used to get the train to like there. Yeah. I've walked past it. I recognise it. Didn't have a clue that it was Boudicca. Yeah, I remember when I was a kid and I first heard the story of Boudicca, and then I actually first saw that statue, and I was so, so impressed. Yeah, that's mad. Crazy. You walk past history and you just don't even fucking know. So, yeah, that's Boudicca, uh, our warrior queen. Who didn't really do anything except kill civilians. Yeah, so again, we'll have a little... I wanted to discuss this with you. Should she be heralded as a hero, as a British hero, or should she be seen as a terrorist? It well, depends what your views on the Romans are, really, isn't it? Yeah. Because the, the Romans gave us education, they gave us roads, they gave us sanitation. They didn't. We had roads before Romans. Did we? We I did. I thought the Romans gave us the... Or at no, least like. I believe it to be true that uh, we did have roads before Romans. Oh, in which case, fuck them. They weren't necessarily straight. Yeah, they aren't now. No, they're not anymore. Poles everywhere. <laughs> we do what we want. <laughs> we don't want straight roads. Um, yeah, uh, look, uh, I'm, not, I'm not condoning what the Romans did. Uh, the Romans throughout their whole entire empire ravaged and but destroyed. But the Romans eventually fucked it and they got pushed out of Britain. Yeah. I think it was the Scottish and the Celts that really fucking went for them. So they eventually tried to go north uh, into Scotland. I mean, you don't fuck with the Scottish. That's just um, one and met the, the Picts. The Picts uh, were just, is just Latin for painted men. Yeah. Um, which was all Celts. Yeah, I just think Brits. Brits. Um, but yeah, they tried to go north into Scotland and obviously the land is just different only the scottish very, very can deal different. with it yeah. the scots were very good at fighting them back and eventually they built hadrian's wall um as a sort of a way of saying okay this is kind of where the empire is going to just stop here right yeah. now because it's not ideal for us to continue trying to invade scotland so they built the hadrian's wall and hadrian's wall was not a way of keeping people out it was actually used as like a tax border oh, okay so you could go through it this was like a little toll it was a toll yeah. yeah it became a toll so yeah yeah romans did actually fuck now. it yeah, I just, I don't, I, the point is, like I brought up earlier, majority of Boudicca's victims are civilians. Yeah. Um, like, you know, for all the Romans, for all the bad stuff they do, they are a military power with an empire and they are trying to expand. And I'm not, I'm not condoning the civilians that they definitely hurt and murdered. Mm. I just don't know if two wrongs make a right in this situation. No, it's a difficult one, isn't it? I'm sure, like, this is the first debate we'll have to have many because I'm really looking forward to the... The other debate we're going to have, but anyway. Um, Boudicca, oh. Her homeland was invaded and she watched her daughters get raped. Yeah. Does that mean you can go and kill 80,000 civilians? Exactly. Does that justify killing civilians? I'm not sure. I Does it justify fighting the Romans' military yeah, power? Yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Go bring your 120,000 men, learn how to fight a pitch battle, and fight the Romans in open field, fair and square. Yeah. I don't know if it justifies killing women, children. And, but then did know, the Romans as they in a city and burning them in their own temple. But as they moved through Britain, how many civilians were they killing? Exactly. Uh, but then, you know... It's, it was a different times, isn't it? We're thinking about yeah. it from a modern mindset. Back in those days, it was just dog-eat-dog. Dog. There is that as well. We do have to think, you know, I am looking at it from a 21st century perspective, you know, as a very lifty, lefty liberal kind of, yeah. you know, snowflake generation like, or whatever. Because war nowadays has rules. Some people don't abide by it, but it genuinely has rules. You don't just fucking kill civilians for no reason. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose if I look at it, yeah, I suppose if I do look at it from her t- 
time and era, I suppose that is justifiable. You know, the Celts, Brit, the, the native Britons probably didn't look at Romans as like human. No, like they were. Like I look at, you know, home. if I look at someone from Italy, like I don't care if you're from Italy, you're still a person just yeah. like me. And for that reason alone, you're you're deserving of the same respect that I would ask for. Yeah. But I suppose to them. But we've developed as people. Yeah. As a species. Yeah. To them, they were, you know, just invaders. Almost alien. Yeah. Because they might probably been the first invaders that they've fucking encountered. Because I don't think the Vikings weren't about by then. Vikings at this point were about four hundred years after. Yeah. So the Vikings were a whole another kettle of fish. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had we had Christianity and kingdoms by that point. Yeah, we we developed the Romans did bits for us if you think yeah. about it. We spoke about it with the Egyptians, but when you start getting this far back in history, things get just messy. Yeah, like it's so difficult to keep track of where you're at. Yeah, because the records are just not. I I would love thinking like a thousand years time if we ever fucking survive that long. Probably not. No, but, apparently twenty fifty, we're all done. Oh, great! I can't wait, but. We will have kept track of history so well, people can be like, on this day, at this exact time, this happened. Yeah. Whereas a thousand years previously, now we're like, oh, I don't have a fucking clue. And ev- think- everyone will know my impassioned speech, unlike Boudicca's. Yeah. It was like um, William the Conqueror, like, bringing in the Doomsday Book. Yeah. That is, like, the first point of when we started to really regiment fucking, like, history. Yeah, that was his way of documenting. Like, tax- just, like taxing people. Because the yeah. Doomsday Book sounds like it's going to be some mad fucking conspiracy theory book but it's not it's just a tax book essentially yeah I just don't know why they called it doomsday book it's pronounced it's spelled like d-o-u it's not doomsday so it's, like, it's doom- like domesday or something Dormsday. but it's like churches like um there's a church by my nana granda's house not far from here and that's on the doomsday book it, it was that it's that old it was wow. on the doomsday book that's so cool britain for all you american listeners it must be mad it's very old so i listen to an american podcast and like every time they talk about britain they're like i can't comprehend this like, I used to work in a building that was built in... My, my, my brother still does. was built in 1068. Mm. That's what? 800, 700 years before America? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. And at that point, so. we had a castle. We were chilling. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's insane how old this country is. Yeah. And how much history it has. There's and so it, much. It's so rich in history. Like, it's so fascinating. Anyway. That was a really good episode. Thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it listening as well. And... uh yeah, be sure to hit us up on all the socials again. That's what people do on Instagram. That's what people do podcast. If you can find us on Facebook, uh, in Twitter, at that's T-W-P-D. what... Yeah, it's at that's WPD. Yeah. And then if you want to, you can send us a lovely email telling me how wrong I am with all my on historical all stuff today. Because I just accept anything Ryan says. I don't question. <laughs> at that's what people do podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we do really like hearing from you. And we've had a lot, a lot of really nice support yes. of late. So thank you, everyone who has listened, liked our pages and uh, supported us. Thank you very much. And uh, next week, uh, we're talking about James. Who do I want to talk about? We've got to toss it. Let, let's just dive straight in. We're going to start with a two-parter. Excellent. Because because we're doing a two-parter because of our recording schedule. It falls on my birthday month. If you want to send gifts, please. Um, <laughs> so we're going to do a two-parter just to span over a couple of weeks. And I know I said I was going to stray away from the Holocaust for a little bit, but when I knew I had to do a two-parter, I couldn't not get this man out of my head. So we will be doing Yosef Mengele. Excellent. So look forward to that next week. And uh, we'll see you then. Tati bye. Sarah. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.